Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are so glad you are joining us. Once again, this is our 161st outing of the Almost Sideways podcast. Uh, we're one away from a full baseball season. Uh, we are recording this Saturday, January 29th, 2022 at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, recording the day before Sunday so hey, that we can... I got to interrupt you, Terry. Breaking news right now, Tom Brady retired. You and heard it here on too. the podcast first. Yeah. Wow. Wow. This just happens to us. It's amazing. I, I love how, how you 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 texted us uh, this morning when that news first broke. First it, Andrew Luck, did. then Bob Saget, now Tom Brady. Who's yeah. next? It's my, just... my, my, te- my text back was you misspelled Andrew Luck when you said Tom Brady. But yeah, how crazy is that? I, I and, and then well, and then and now it's firing. He, he says he doesn't know. He, yeah, he says he doesn't know. I like the tweet that I sent you guys earlier from Matt Castle saying, "I've texted Tom Brady and I can officially report he hasn't texted me back." Yeah, I, I like I like that one. <laughs> Whatever happened to our idea to, to deep dive Super Bowl Forty Nine as as a podcast episode? Uh, that we should have done that instead of knocked up. That would have been more entertaining. I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, full well, for me, I guess. As a, yeah, as a I was gonna say we'll, we'll do we'll uh we'll we'll do uh, last year's Super Bowl right after it. Yeah, I mean, I just gotta say, I mean, it was it's been a sort of interesting day. I I have not supported Tom Brady since 2016. However, he's not nearly as insufferable as Aaron Rodgers at this point. So, like, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of Tom Brady's late career. Like, I think I think he has rehabilitated his image because of all the stupid, batshit, crazy things that Aaron Rodgers has said and done. So, bravo, Aaron Rodgers. He, he has, Tom Brady has more Super Bowls than any other franchise. I mean, I heard that stat today. I'm just like, that's, that's insane. And in one week, you had Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and Sean Payton, who we're going to be talking about a little later. But um, I just thought that was kind of that was kind of crazy. I like Tom Brady's tweet after Ben Roethlisberger retired that said uh, he he uh, didn't go the TB12 method. Instead, he went for the rub some dirt on it method, and it worked for him. <laughs> so yeah, Ben Roethlisberger. I think I saw longest career in NFL history spent with only one franchise. Nice. What are the odds that Brady joins the 49ers next year? Pulls a Favre. I would put some money on like a plus 750 on that. I mean, like, that's what everybody said two years ago. Not when they've got Trey Lance sitting there. I th- I think okay. I would take Brady over Trey Lance. Go to the Titans. No, he wants to go back home, you know? He wants to go back to the Bay Area and uh, live in Marin County, you know? Drink some wine, maybe some some Drew Bledsoe wine. And, and bring uh, Gronk with him. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, Gronk and Kittle on the same field. That'd be now we're talking. And Antonio Brown. Bonkers. Well, we we are recording this ahead of the the championship games. By the time you listen to it, uh, you guys will uh, 
we'll obviously know that we'll have a a, a Kansas a third, City San Francisco Super Bowl. I was gonna say you're uh, a third time of uh, Bengals Niners in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, there, there's so many intriguing storylines. No matter what it ends up being, either you have you know the the rematch of two years ago with Chiefs Niners. You could have you could have Chiefs Rams, which is a rematch of one of the greatest games of all time from a couple years ago Monday Night Football. You could have Bengals Niners, which the only time the Bengals have been to the Super Bowl, they've played the Niners, or Bengals Rams, where you have Zach Taylor, the apprentice, going up against McVeigh, the the master. So, or what about the storyline of the Chiefs playing a road Super Bowl two years in a row? That that too. That'd, that'd be a crazy storyline Which, also. By the way, as a Chiefs fan, I would gladly take. I do not fear the Rams. I think we beat the Rams. That 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 is not a team that frightens me. San Francisco terrifies me. They've got like the 07 Giants written all over them. So I'm pulling for Matt Stafford and the pride of Eastern Washington, Cooper Cup tomorrow. Let's go, boys. Let's Are the Niners it. really better than they were the last time you beat them in the Super Bowl? I don't think so. Yes. Oh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want any part of that team. That team, I think they're significantly me. worse than that team. And well, I don't think, I don't think we're as good as we were a couple years ago, but I think they're better. And it's just like it's like flashbacks of Eli Manning and uh, Plaxico Burris, and that it's it's a, it's just a little frightening right now. I don't know. Mahomes is running for his life if he has to play the Rams with Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and Von Miller. And, uh... I, yeah, but you know what? It, you know, T.J. Watt, eh, not not really big deal. You know, uh, I yeah, that's I, one. They've got like three or four of them that are that level. Listen, if a 44-year-old quarterback slash future peewee football coach to his son's football team can score, you know, 24 points in 12 minutes on them, I, I don't – that's not a defense I worry about. Well, that, that's because the offense kept fumbling the ball in their own territory. But anyways, let's get to movies. Uh, that's what we're here to talk about. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing all over the internet uh, so that uh, we can be seen by more people heard by more people, all that fun stuff. Uh, check out our website, almostsideways.com, uh, where you can find a link to our latest uh, article where Todd posted his way too early 2023 uh, Oscar predictions. Todd, what's winning Best Picture next year? Well, I was kind of going to talk about that in like what I've been watching, but I, I can just say... Oh, okay, okay, then we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. Okay, okay all right. Then, then why don't you tell us what you're drinking instead? Uh, tequila. This is uh, Espolón Reposado tequila. Straight nice. up. Straight up. Straight up. Very nice. Zach, what do you got? Uh, this is the last water in the city of Houston for a dry January. Um, I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Not really, but... It's... Yeah, you, you were quite pit. <clears throat> quite pissed last week when you found out that there was one more weekend in January and you had to do one more podcast with water. Yeah. And I've been doing J dry January since January 12th. Thanks for not pointing that out, but it's almost over and uh, we can party <laughs> again. Well, uh, I didn't get to the brewery, but I am drinking beer. This is Pelican, which is one of my favorite breweries, Cannon Beach. Uh, and this is the Cape Crasher Pacific Northwest IPA. So, there you go. Uh, Todd, why don't you tell us what you've been watching? Tell us about your uh, your Oscar predictions here. Well, I didn't really watch anything of any great consequence, except I just want to mention I watched Flag Day, which is the uh, Sean Penn 
directed movie and it's i mean it's not good but i had no idea that the songs were written and performed by glenn hansard and eddie vetter together which which when i found that out i was like mind blown which is why i've given it two stars otherwise i mean the movie sucks but um i i really didn't have alone gives it two stars (laughs) yeah basically i mean i don't know uh, yeah, I, I've spent most of my time doing my Oscar predictions for next year, which is ridiculous, and I do it every year, and I love it. But I'm kind of like the Writers Guild. I have like a bunch of movies that I just disqualified for no apparent reason, except for the fact that I broke them down last year. So one of the best pic- the best picture winner could easily come from that list. I have like maybe 20 movies that I uh, didn't include, including the Martin Scorsese movie and the Taika Waititi movie, and you know the Richard Linklater movie and the David Russell movie. But so my, I was left with a, a list of movies that are still intriguing. And my best picture winner is another international director directing a movie. And that is Maria Schrader's She Said, which is about the journalist who uncovered the uh, the Harvey Weinstein scandal. And it's just Ooh. something Hollywood is going to love. They love patting themselves on the back. And this just seems like a best picture winner. It's got Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan uh, as, the, as the main characters. So, but the main the main contender that everyone's picking is Babylon, which is the new, <laughs> very Hollywood Damien Chazelle movie with a killer cast like Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. It's it's an amazing cast. That one that one's the one that probably is the front runner. But I always go a little bit off because you don't want the favorite going into the year because that's never uh, that never is one one that actually makes it all the way through. And that's how I predict Birdman to win, or that's how I predicted Power of the Dog last year. It's, to win is like I picked the one that's probably like fifth or sixth, and uh, but it but it's able to last. Now you don't pick the favorite, but did you actually pick the film the favorite when it was coming out? I don't remember. I had that. He <laughs> had that. He had that early. He. I remember yeah. that because I I, I was that. I was skeptical. Yeah, that, that, actually, I think that was my best picture prediction in in January. You also, I want to say you predict the artist too. You were early on in that on that movie. Well, I didn't know what that movie was until Can, so it wouldn't have been that early. But I don't know if I did the that early of a prediction. We honestly. can we can go back and look. They're they're all uh, go to the archives on the, on the website. All right, so Todd, yep. I have a few I have a few questions. So what? Where is the Scorsese movie in all this? I, I I'm shocked to see that pretty neglected on your prediction. Well, that's what that's what I was saying. That I I put that lat in in my predictions last year, and so. I just wasn't going to do it again until I know the movie's actually going to get released. Because there are some movies that just will sit on the shelf for like a few years. Like I have Avatar 2 in this, and I've been waiting to put that in for like five years since it was like wrapped shooting. So I'm like, I, I just, I'm not going to break it down two years in a row. So Scorsese's movie easily could win Best Picture, but I didn't put it in my predictions at all this year. I like how you use the picture of Yorgos Lanthimos where he's uh, playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> And uh, well, the the one the one that I know Zach and I are most excited about for the whole year is Todd Field's <coughs> new movie because he actually did make a new movie. It's called Tar. It's about a female conductor of a German orchestra and stars Kate Blanchett. And that's about all that we know about the movie. And I can't wait. It's a, an original screenplay, even. Yeah, so. that was that was a big surprise to me. I hadn't heard about that movie. I mean, there's so many been so many rumors over the years about his next production, but it has officially finished. It has been it has shot. Wrapped. Wow, that's amazing. And then the third big revelation from your article was that you predicted, you went on a flyer for one of your Best Picture nominees. Well, this was your honorable mention. 
uh, a movie called Dead for a Dollar, directed by Walter Hill. I did not realize that Walter Hill was still alive. Me neither. So that, that's impressive. <laughs> but it must be at least 40 years since he's directed a movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think it's been that long. He, he just hasn't 30, done 35. anything really consequential. Let's see. He directed a movie in 2016. Okay. Well, shout out to Walter Hill, who's still kicking it. Maybe paying some alimony checks along the way, but I I would love to see anything from him. Yeah, he, that movie has Willem Dafoe because he's in like every movie coming out this year, and in Christoph Waltz, and it's like a western. It sounds awesome. I don't think there's any actual stills from it released yet. I like you have an Alex Garland movie listed in there. His movie, his his stuff is so random and niche. It'd be amazing if it. Uh, if something caught on, kind of like Ex well, Machina did. Yeah, I mean, well, he's, only, he's only had two movies, and one of them nearly was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, another one that I like that is uh, Peter Farrelly's new movie, The Greatest Beer Run Ever, which is about uh, a guy who takes beer to his buddies fighting in Vietnam. And uh, I just, I mean, I want every part of that movie. <laughs> it's, got, it's got Bill Murray in it somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, so he's in your uh, supporting actor nominations. Yeah. All yeah, right. I, I cool. I'm doing that. We'll, we'll, uh, well, I'm sure we'll be referencing this a lot over the next like you know, six months. Yeah. He also, yep. didn't realize that Judd Hirsch was still alive too. I mean, he was just in Uncut Gems. Oh, okay. I guess that's true. Okay. <laughs> Forgot. He's like probably the most unmemorable character in Uncut Gems, but you, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure to uh, link this in the in the show notes when uh, when this podcast gets posted, so you can easily find uh, Todd's way too early Oscar predictions and uh, and keep track of them throughout the year. I know that's one of the things we love to do. Cool. All right, uh, Zach, why don't you go next? What did you watch? All right, I watched the new Almodovar movie, Parallel Mothers, oh. which uh, I just watched today in a theater. And it is with Penelope Cruz, and uh, it is about parallel mothers. And, uh, you know, I, I won't say too much about the movie, except it's an Almodovar movie. So you go in, and you know it's going to have a lot of really strong female characters. And it's going to have a plot that probably could have been like a Jane Wyman, Deborah Carr movie from the 1950s. It's high on the sort of melodrama. Um, and you got some betrayal, and you got some secrets and lies, and... Uh, you definitely got some childbirth issues and unexpected pregnancies. Uh, and I think it's a really good movie. I mean, I think I was in the right frame of mind for it. Um, I, there, it, He tries to do like a couple things. He tries to like talk a little bit about the history of fascist Spain a little bit at the beginning and end of the movie, which I didn't totally buy. I felt like that was sort of retrofitted, almost like he had an ax to grind and it didn't really mesh with the rest of the story. But when you get, you know, from like the 20 minute mark to the 140 mark, I think it is some of the best work Almodovar has done. And I haven't seen Nicole Kidman in the Lucy movie, but I guarantee you uh, Penelope Cruz is more deserving of an Oscar in this movie than Nicole Kidman is. And I give it three and a half stars. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I, it doesn't make my top 10 list, but I think it's the best Amadovar movie I've seen at least in the last, that he's made in the last five years, five or five or six or seven years. Now, Todd, you've seen that too, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I like it too. I, I mean, there are some things that I, that I do think is as good as Omniverse, but I mean, it also I feel like has times where it drags. I love the, I love the score for that movie. Yes, and, the score is and, awesome. Yeah, and and of course, yeah, Penelope Cruz is great, and but I, she's not going to get nominated. She wasn't even shortlisted, longlisted at BAFTA, which is ridiculous. Like I think I have her number two for best actress for me. Like she, she, she owns that fun. movie because like the 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 story in that movie is yeah okay fine. It's somewhat a bit of a soap opera. Maybe it's a little predictable. Maybe you can kind of see where it's going. What is compelling about that movie is just how freakishly awesome she is in it. Like her reactions and like her moral quandary in that movie, the decision she has to make. You really feel for that character, and yet there's still a distance too where you don't know exactly what she's gonna do. So I. I think it might be like her best performance ever. Like she's amazing in it and she carries the movie. She's in like every scene of that movie. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. And I don't know, Todd. I mean, I didn't, I, I don't know what he was trying to say with the last 10 minutes of that movie. I felt like, I felt like it was kind of like speed when the bus crashes into the plane, spoiler alert. And then like the movie's essentially over, but then it goes to the, you know, subway. It's like, we don't really need to go to the subway, not to critique yeah. speed, but you know, it's like, okay, just kind of end the movie and let's, let's move on with it. But I, I really dug it. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. I also saw it in a theater and I'm guessing you saw it on a screener. I, I felt like it was right. actually a really good movie to watch in a theater. Not for the conventional reasons. You just kind of got really involved when it, it was just, just on the big screen. No, Focus on nothing else. Cool. Yeah, I was going to see that this weekend if I made it to the theater, but I didn't. So uh, uh, maybe I'll catch it next week. Uh, but you need to see Being the Ricardos. I mean, it's easy to I find. It's on Prime. But you guys were so lukewarm about it. I don't. I, you know, I've yeah. still never. I've still never seen Judy. Like I just I I, I don't I okay. kind of know what I'm expecting with it. I just you know if she's gonna win Best Actress, it's like there's so she's many the better best part of it. I will say that. But I thought you got your guys' critique was that she's a good actress, but it's not necessarily the right role for her. That's I, I felt like that's what your your criticism was. It's a good performance, but she looks weird. I think that that's that's well, more okay, than John anything. Simon. Let's not uh, assess people's looks. I mean, well, no, they try. They try too hard to make her look like Lucille Ball, and she doesn't. Ends up not looking like either her or Lucille Ball. It's weird. Jessica Chastain would have made a great Lucille Ball. Yeah, probably. Okay, uh, now on to what I watched this week. My Oscar watch goes back ten years, uh, and this uh, was a lone supporting actress nominee. In in two thousand two in twenty twelve, oh twenty twelve, alone, best actress nominee. No, sorry, I did not supporting actress, a lead actress, lead actress. Oh, twenty. Lone lead actress nominee, in twenty twelve. Ah, the impossible. The impossible. Yes. Nice. Uh, yeah, Naomi Watts got an Oscar nomination for this. Uh, I, I, it. Todd knows this. I know this category, the best actress category from 2012, like better than any other category because I randomly like have memorized Jennifer Lawrence's SNL monologue that she did during this campaign. And she like roasts every member that or every person that she was nominated with. It's great. Anyways, uh, this is, uh, directed by J a Bayona. It is, uh, based on a true story of a family um, that is on a vacation in Thailand when a gigantic tsunami hits. 
and uh and it's the family's fight to survive um the the mother and father played by naomi watts and ewan mcgregor uh naomi watts is is solid in this um her her part of the movie is definitely the more compelling part ewan mcgregor's part is not as great um the the visuals are are fascinating but the standout by far the best performance and standout in this movie is uh their oldest son lucas played by a 14 year old tom holland uh he is he's the best part of this movie like he he owns this movie he should have gotten a nomination for this movie and not naomi watts um but anyways it's it's a solid movie what did i give it i think i gave it three stars um yeah three stars um it does some weird stuff like i said the Ewan McGregor parts aren't near as compelling as the Naomi Watts, Tom Holland parts. Um, the The visual effects are pretty outstanding as it shows this uh, as it shows this tsunami hit. Um, I think as good, if not better, than Hereafter, which did get a visual effects nomination for like the same thing. But um, it it has some weird stuff that happens at the end, um, and I mean, based on a true story which is always good because crazy stories like this um, you only can believe if they're true. So uh, three stars. Todd, I know you've seen the impossible, right? Yeah. I'm, I don't really like it very much, but I, I honestly don't remember that much about it either. It's sort okay. of just been lost in my memory. Yeah. I saw, it when it, I saw it when it came out in theaters, I remember really not liking it. Like, I, th- oh. I, I remember being really corny, cheesy, waste of time, and really an unwarranted Oscar nomination. Yeah, I didn't really get her her nomination either. Um, I mean, she's she's like on a hospital bed the majority of the time. But um, it did. Yeah, that didn't really make sense. But uh, but I thought her her parts were compelling, but it wasn't because of her. It was because of Tom Holland. And then the Ewan McGregor stuff was OK. But it, it kept my interest. It was it was at least a fascinating watch. So I'll give it three stars. Why not? All right. That's what we've been watching. Let's move into our featured review. And not a ton is coming out in theaters right now. Um, as a lot of stuff keeps getting pushed back. Like for the second time in a row, I've posted like what's getting released this week onto our website just to find out later on in that week that the main film that was supposed to come out had been bumped. Um, last week, it was the Guy Ritchie movie. This week, it was Morbius. Not much is happening. So we went with a Netflix release this week. And it's kind of a timely Netflix release because uh, it is a true story about a certain football coach that just announced that he was resigning this week and potentially retiring for good, Sean Payton. And it's kind of this quirky little comedy called home team you're only here because you got suspended being sean payton's son ain't easy it may be easier on him if you were on that field with us every day Ah, you do need help and um zach we're gonna go to you first and tell us all about home team and what you thought all right. Well, I got to say it took me at least five minutes on Netflix to find this movie because tis the season of unmemorable movie titles. I, <laughs> Seriously. I, I first looked up Sean Payton. That didn't work. 
But then I realized I misspelled Sean Payton. And then I realized, oh, wait, he, maybe he's not actually in the movie or like he didn't direct it. So then I looked up Kevin James and it was still at the bottom of the list. I mean, Netflix got a lot of Kevin James movies on there. Uh, anyway, um, Home Team. Yeah, terrible name. Uh, I think this is a mixture of Little Giants meets Bad News Bears meets Hoosiers meets The King of Queens. It stars Kevin James. Here comes the boom as Sean Payton. Now, does he look like Sean Payton? Actually, he kind of does. I kind of bought it. It works. It works. I've always thought that Sean Payton looked like the love child between a chubbier Daniel Craig and Bill Simmons. I still think either one of them would have made a better, more, more, more uh, accurate uh, Sean Payton. But actually, I think Kevin James does a pretty good job in this movie, given what it's worth. I did not have a lot of faith going into this movie in the first five or ten minutes. I mean, you see that Happy Madison logo there. You see some of the names in this movie. We got uh, basically uh, Rob Schneider and basically Adam Sandler's whole family. We got his wife, who plays uh, Sean Payton's ex-wife. And apparently uh, someone else who's a Sandler, who is, uh, I guess, the guy at the hotel, Eric, the hotel clerk. We all know Sandler loves to do the whole, uh, you know, um, nepotism thing. So that I I was a little skeptical on. Um, And then uh, so the movie kind of profiles this, I guess, real life incident where uh, Sean Payton was uh, basically... Uh, banished from the league for a year for his involvement with the Bounty Gate scandal. And of course, we all remember when that actually happened. But I guess there was a uh, another thing he did while he was on leave was uh, reconnect with his son and coach his son's peewee football team uh, to a citywide championship in uh, Dallas. And so the movie kind of depicts Kevin James as this sort of bumbling uh, a little bit grumpy, a little bit angry Sean Payton. You know, he, he doesn't really believe that he should be suspended. He's kind of looking back. He's trying to contact. He can't contact the team, but he wants to get reinstated, basically. So, you know, he kind of goes to his son's game. And, you know, Taylor Lautner slash Team Jacob is the coach. And uh, you, you gradually, you know, you kind of see what's going to happen. It kind of becomes a little bit predictable. I got to say, uh, I guess as I was saying earlier, I went into this movie pretty skeptical. Um, I got to say it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, I think it had some genuine moments. I liked a lot of the kids in the movie. I think actually a lot of them are really good on camera, um, particularly, gosh, I'm not going to remember any of their names. Let's see here. I did write down a couple. I like Dennis, who plays the blocker who's converted to fullback. He has oh, some yeah. good scenes. I actually, I really think all the kids are good. They're they're actually probably the best part of the movie, and I think Kevin James has some authentic moments too. Um, it's kind of interesting. It the movie is kind of made for people who don't follow football. So Sean Payton wears a lot of New Orleans Saints insignia for like the first forty five minutes, as if to remind the audience, oh wait, he's the coach. There's another running gag in this movie where Sean Payton is basically living out of a hotel, but he can't turn off the jacuzzi, which bothers him at night. And I've never seen a hotel where where the jacuzzi is actually part of the hotel room. I was very curious about about that scene. Um, And there's also, I think, sort of a funny uh, would-be romance between Sean Payton and one of the player's moms. Um, You know, I could do without the CGI vomit. I could do without the the scene where um, there's a firebomb at uh, the house of a potential paramour and... I could probably do without some of the 
over-the-top father-son bonding moments. But all in all, this is a pretty inoffensive movie. Sean Payton, I think, is pretty questionable in his ethics. I mean, we got him embroiled not just in that scandal, but there was another scandal this past season with the Saints uh, defending Catholic clergy who have been accused of terrible things in the city of New Orleans. And, uh, you know, it's suspicious, the timing of this movie aligning so perfectly. What a coincidence with uh with his uh you know resignation if we want to call that what it is i give this movie two and a half stars it was an hour and a half i'm not going to remember it i'm certainly not going to remember the name of it i've seen worse i've seen better there is a really funny joke about a restaurant named jd mcgonagall that i liked in this movie that's the restaurant that he goes to and i'll just leave it at that that's probably the most clever writing in the movie i would in the words of ebert walk a block and a half to see this movie Oh, no, I don't I have to. to. It's was, on Netflix. I was gonna say you had to walk to your couch. So Thank God it. it was on Netflix. Go, 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 Netflix. Yeah, I didn't want to pay for this. All right, Todd, what do you think? I, I mean, this movie sucks. Like, I mean, it's it's like really, really bad. Like, I mean, it thinks it's being Ted Lasso. Like, especially with like the assistant coach who's trying to steal the scenes and like the way Peyton acts all the quips. It's trying to be Ted Lasso. And it's not. It's a kids movie. But I mean, and there is a story to be told here, just not like that. Like, this is like. Mighty Ducks meets the big green mixed with obviously grown-ups and then partially the blind side. But I mean, but that's just how bad this is. Like all of those movies put together is just terrible. Like I thought draft day was a bad example of football, but this is like, this rivals that shit. Like this is really, really bad. My favorite part was probably Huel or Lavelle Crawford as the bus driver. But, um, and the front desk guy was pretty funny, but he's basically doing a Jake Johnson impression. And I wish it was actually Jake Johnson. And also, Taylor Lautner is pretty good at what he does, but he's essentially AC Slater. And I think that he knows he's doing that because he even sounds <laughs> like him. Um, but yeah, the, the, the release oh. of the movie is, is, is hilarious. Like, I mean, the, all the talking head morons on TV were all talking this week about, oh, he's going to go back to, back to coach the Cowboys. And like, they actually mentioned that in this movie. It's just, it's a miracle of irony how this movie gets released. And, but the movie is not a miracle of anything. But, um, I, I just think that Peyton comes off really bad in this and he's actually in it. Like he, he's, he's, yeah. he's in like the last scene and which in the movie paints him and it's just like a terrible light. And which is like a stark contrast to like King Richard, which, I mean, obviously they had their hands all over that movie and they come out like looking great. And like, I don't know, but this is, this is a bad movie. It's, it's a one star movie and I, I I'll definitely will never watch it again. <laughs> so I'm in between you guys. I'm giving it two stars. Um, I was watching this movie and I mean, I was mildly entertained by, by most of it, but as I'm watching it, I'm like, there's a good movie in here somewhere. And it just has taken the wrong turns in too many spots to actually have a good movie, but there is a good movie in there. It, it and it's cause it's a solid story. I, Zach, I agree with you that the kids were great. Um, and, and they, they really do a good job. But then you had to have one of them constantly ordering pizza during practice. I mean, that that you don't need that. And and the the family dynamics are interesting. But why do you need to have Rob Schneider be be the character he is? I, it, there, so there's just too many things that just go the wrong direction. It's like, no, you, you didn't have to do that. Oh, fine. You did that. Um, it's like I'm singing. We are young. <laughs> haven't yeah, heard that song out. in like at least nine or ten years. Yeah. Shout out to 2012. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, it, 
I thought I thought Kevin James was actually really good in this. Like he he had to be the straight man with all the all this kooky screwball comedy stuff going on around him. And he he did an admirable job. And I remember thinking Kevin James is too big to play Sean Payton. And then you see them in the same room and in the at the very end. You're like, oh wait, they're they're pretty much the same size. That's actually not that. I never knew Sean Payton was fat. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So two stars. I mean, it, it. I would I watch again? I don't know, maybe. But it, it it it's a watchable movie. I wouldn't say it's a good movie, but there's a good movie in there somewhere. Just not told by this crew. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my two and a half stars is purely out of that it rose above my expectations in the first 10 minutes. Like, it wasn't, it could have been, I think, a lot worse. Like, you think Kevin James, you think Happy Madison production, you think a movie about, you know, youth football on Netflix. It's going to be awful, but it really wasn't terrible. I mean, I don't, you know, I think one star is is unfair, although maybe it's accurate in some ways. But it's like, I don't know. It could, I think it could have... It, it is not anywhere close to like Jack and Jill or that's my boy. It's not on that level at all. Like it's actually, I think Have a, we seen a, those movies though. Uh, no comment. I've seen the trailers <laughs> for them. And I think we know what we're getting into with those movies. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was just fine. It, another thing about this movie, I'm really glad Drew Brees wasn't in it because if you guys watched that Cincinnati Raiders game a couple weeks ago, he is like totally devoid of talent on camera. So that was a good move. <laughs> not casting Drew Brees. Who should have played him though? Like Tom Cruise, someone really short. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he looks like someone. I don't know who. Maybe Steve Nash. Maybe that's like Daniel bad. Brule. Yeah, that's a possibility. That. All right. Uh, well, we're, we're, we're not going to remember this movie ever. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that this is the movie we get about Sean Payton because there's, <laughs> I think like the 2006 Saints are a lot more interesting of a movie there. Like you could make a movie about, you know, Katrina and Steve Gleason and, you know, Drew Brees' injury and, you know, that hit that Reggie Bush took in the playoffs. And, uh, you know how much how much money people won on them in Vegas probably if you took an over on the you know three and a half wins at the beginning of the year or whatever like that's a better movie let's make a movie about that but instead we get a happy madison movie about... or a movie about bounty gate yeah let's um, let's get let's get a mickey rourke wrestler-esque performance as someone playing brett Favre in that game i mean maybe jim caviezel you know, he played Christ. <laughs> there you go. Who, who would play Greg Williams? Kevin I James. don't know what Greg Williams. Yeah, it looks like. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen um, "Here Comes Kevin"? No. The 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 new series. I watched 15 minutes of it once, and it was it, it wasn't terrible. I think Kevin James is kind of funny. I I got to admit, I don't actually think he's funny. I think it's it's interesting watching him, and uh, I've always liked Paul Blart. And uh, I agree with you, Terry. I, I think this is this is probably like a, a half decent performance. Anyways, it's on Netflix. Um, it's a PG movie about kids football. I mean, it's kind of a kids movie too, so you, you may want to watch it with them. It's it's a it's a fun watch. None of us are recommending it though. There you go, home team. We're never going to remember that title. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right, let's move on to our deep dive because this is going to be a whole lot of fun. Because it's always fun when we deep dive just like instant classics like this. So we are celebrating the 15th anniversary. I can't believe it's the 15th anniversary of Knocked Up. Hello. Hi, this is Allison. I don't know if you remember me. I have something I really need to tell you. I'm pregnant. With a baby? Yes. Then what are you hitting on me for? How did this happen? This is a disaster. Aren't you supposed to be married to have a baby? You should be, because they love each other, and people who love each other get married and have babies. Uh, the the second directorial effort from Judd Apatow. Uh, and we did a deep dive of 40 Old Virgin a couple years ago. Now we're now we're on to Knocked Up. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're starting with trivia. I'm hosting trivia. And I, I think, Todd, you claim to be the master. So I'm going to go with you second. Well, J- Jason is the master. Well, <laughs> yes, there is that. But okay. uh, yeah, so, so Todd's going to go away for a little bit. There he goes. All right. Let's see here. We have... We have 11 questions, and let's see here. There are um, 26 possible points Holy on crap. 11 questions. Now, Todd right? claims that he may know this movie better than any movie ever made. So I, I have my work cut out for me. You, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay. First question, this is worth two points. At the beginning of the movie, what do the girls want to listen to in the car? Green Day. That is correct. And Rent. Correct. Good job. Don't Next ask question. Which one wants what? That's <laughs> confusing. Next question. Who was Ryan Seacrest waiting to interview? That I uh oh jessica simpson correct 2007 baby uh next question who was allison interviewing for her first on-air interview james franco no that's no. who she threw up on no okay. it was matthew fox oh What's that's interesting right. about matthew fox nothing okay um, todd's gonna get that one yeah probably next question what restaurant did they meet at when allison told ben she's pregnant Oh, uh, sushi, something sushi, um, Hollywood sushi. Uh, I mean, you've, you've got the right idea. It's Geisha house. I'll give you half a point because you, they were having sushi. I believe they said Geisha house in Hollywood. Okay. Uh, next question. What poster is on Ben's wall in the house? Uh, I thought this was an interesting poster, but now I'm kind of blanking on what it was. It was like. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Ooh, I saw a different one. But he had several posters. Okay. He also had the the naked ladies uh, sitting from behind. I mean, I know we had a Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas poster. Okay, I'll I'll give you a point then. The one I saw was Chuck Liddell versus Randy Couture. Okay. You see, I didn't see that one, but I think there were multiple. All right. Maybe maybe I'll ask it to Todd, the the non-movie poster. Um, All right, next question. Who did Pete try to pick, but was already taken before he picked Matsui? Carlos Delgado. Very good. Took him three rounds ago. Yep. Uh, ooh, th- this is a great one. Um, what kind of beer is Pete drinking whenever we see him drink beer? 
It's at the fantasy baseball draft, and then when he goes to the bar with uh, with Ben. Um, Stella. No, it's a, it, this is a question for you. It's Sierra Nevada. Oh, that's right. I did notice that in one of the scenes. <laughs> yeah, I should have got that. And Ben's always drinking Corona. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. is Allison. Yeah, lots of yeah. interesting theories about that. How how can anyone get that drunk off of Corona? But we can talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, where are Ben and Pete staying in Vegas? <sighs> I don't know. Um, MGM Grand. No, they're staying at Paris. And the and the only way you know that is because they're like walking around the pool. Yeah, with the with sign their, and the Eiffel Tower in the background. Okay, what movie poster is up in uh, the the nursery in Ben's apartment? The nursery in Ben's apartment. That's not Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, no, right? I'm not no. confusing them. I have no idea. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, good one. All right, next question. Uh, how did Ben describe the waiting room of the hospital to Deb? Over there? Your space? The area with the Pepsi machine. I don't remember that line. Okay. He's he like, did say it was your space, though. Your it, space he did. I'll give you a half. I'll give you half. You're going to need it. Okay. Last question is worth 15 points. Nice. Um, can't. How many? I, I counted 15 different names that are used for Martin's face. How many of them can you remember? All right. Coked out Scorsese. Correct. Modus Yahoo. Correct. Uh, Ben's Rabbi. Correct. Um, Cat Stevens. Correct. Uh, Robin Williams Knuckles. Correct. Um, Unabomber. Richard Reed. Correct. Okay. Well, kind of correct. I don't think they ever called Excuse me. Yeah, that's what they called it. Okay. Um, that's six. That's you six. Got nine God, more. There's nine more. Jeez. <laughs> uh, let me think here. That might, I, I might be tapped out. I can't believe there's 50. I mean, I guess I can believe there's 15 of them, but. Uh, All right, so yeah, I think that's it. Okay, so the ones you missed uh, were Taliban, Serpico, Charles Manson, Burning Man, uh, Vagina, Crockett, uh, Chewbacca, Howard Hughes, and late John Lennon. That's right. So you are you got twelve points. So we'll see how Tom does. Poor form. Yep. Here we go. Todd's back. All right, Todd. Let's see how you do. Uh, there are eleven questions worth what I say twenty six points. Nice. Worth twenty six points. Let's see how you do. Zach got twelve. Okay, first question. Uh, what do the girls want to listen to in the car at the beginning of the movie? Uh, Rent and Green Day. Those are correct. Uh, who was Ryan Seacrest waiting to interview? Jessica Simpson. Correct. Uh, who was Allison interviewing for her first on-air interview? Oh, Matthew Fox. That is correct. Uh, what restaurant did they meet at when Allison told Ben she's pregnant? Uh, 
That was a tough one. I didn't get this either. I mean, it's something in like West Hollywood. I, I or something. I I don't remember what the name of it is. It's called Geisha House. Okay. Um. What? All right. Let's see. Let's see if you can get what I was going for here. What non-movie poster is on Ben's wall in the house? Well. I mean, are you? There's a poster for Perfect Ten, which is the porn site that they want to go, they subscribe to in in a in super bad. Okay, well, I'll that's give a you vague, that. it's a vague question, Terry. There's it so is. Many different There's so answers. many different posters. The one the one I saw was the Chuck Liddell versus Randy Couture poster. Okay, and then I said yeah, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That yeah. is a movie, though. Yeah, I know, but, but I had to change it. it because I I asked. Oh. Yeah, there there is. Right. Yeah, I remember that poster. Okay, next question. Uh, who did Pete try to pick but was already taken when he picked Matsui? Oh, Carlos Delgado. That is correct. Um, what kind of beer do we see Pete drinking several times? What kind of beer? What brand? <laughs> what brand of beer? Kate Hudson once asked. So it's got to be a noticeable label. I... He, he was he was at it was at the fantasy baseball draft, and he also drank it when he went to the bar with Ben. I'm gonna say Coors Light. No, this was more of a question for Zach, and he didn't get it either. It was Sierra Nevada. Oh, the pale ale. Yeah, it's a very it's a very distinguishable label. Um, all right, where did Ben and Pete stay in Vegas? Ooh. Yeah, this was an interesting question, Terry. Did they actually say where they stayed? I don't, I don't think it that... ever actually said where they stayed, but you can the kind of assume they, the last place that they showed or something like. I mean, I. I'm trying to judge by what the background, <laughs> what the outside looks like. Uh, that's that's how you do it. That's how that's how that's how I I determine. I'm gonna it. guess it was, like. Like it had to have been somewhere around the Bellagio. It's gotta be somewhere in the middle. I mean, yes, across the street. They were at Paris. Okay. But they, they could have just been walking there. I mean, but they but they were at the pool, and in at Paris. So you gotta think that they were that that's where they were staying. The only other one they showed, they showed Treasure Island because that's where Cirque du Soleil was. I mean, listen, I feel like Todd and I have had drunken escapades on at swimming pools and random resorts in Vegas. It's it, true. But, I mean, that that's that's the best guess we've got, so I, I went with it. Alright. Um, it was a good and, question. And, and it, yeah, yeah. I, and I, It was very distant. Like, it, you could easily see the giant Paris balloon and the Eiffel Tower in the background of that, of the one scene where you can see where they're at. Okay. Uh, next question: What movie poster is up in the nursery in Ben's apartment? I, I don't remember. Like, Dog Day Afternoon, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Next question: um, How did Ben describe the waiting room of the hospital to Deb? He said, "Your your area is." Oh. The place with the vending machine. Yeah, the Pepsi machine. I'll give it to the you. Pepsi machine, yeah. All right, last question. 
Uh, let's see here. It is currently 12 to 7. You are down 5. This last question is worth 15 points. Oh, boy. Um, from my count, I found 15 different names that are given to Martin's face. <laughs> How many of them can you name? Actual names or like what they what they say look like, like what what they what they yeah what they call him. Uh. Uh, late Howard Hughes. Correct. Um, they say. I think it was just Howard Hughes, but I'll give it to you. Uh, Robin Williams Knuckles. Correct. A vagina. Correct. Uh. A rabbi. Ben's rabbi, yep. Um Matizyahu. Correct. You are now tied. There's ten more. Ten more. I, I, I was trying I was taking notes of these in my head. I was like, I wonder if one of these is gonna be an ass. I didn't know it was gonna be all name all of them. <laughs> um Oh the shoe bomber. That is correct. Keep going. Charles Manson. Yep. I don't know if I have any more. I think you did about the same as Zach did. Oh, Zach got six. You got seven. Um, so the list in order is uh, the Taliban, Serpico, Robin oh, Williams, I, Knuckles. I was going to say that for the stupid poster, too. I was thinking, like, <laughs> oh, he looks like Serpico. Uh, Charles Manson, the shoe bomber, Burning Man, a vagina, Crockett, Cat Stevens, Scorsese on Coke, Chewbacca, Howard Hughes, late John Lennon, Ben's oh, Rabbi, and Modest Yahoo. The one who cuts the penis. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 14 to 12. Todd wins trivia. All right. So, Zach, this was this was your pick. So I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you first. So tell us about uh, knocked up and your experience with it. All right. Well, you know, let's go back to a little COVID free world called 2000 summer 2007. We got you know. Uh, right before Facebook, people were just starting to get cell phones. Um, you know, uh, Ben doesn't have a cell phone. Um, and Pete's cell phone gets bad reception. That was a thing back then. And, uh, you know, this movie just came out and it was the follow-up to uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin surprise hit of 2005. And it, this was just a great movie. I mean, I think everybody has seen it on TNT about 10 million times. I think that's the only way I've watched it for the last 10 years. So it was nice and refreshing watching the R-rated or unrated cut of this movie uh, with the four-letter words intact, um, with the stripper scene. I'd forgotten about that. With Stormy Daniels, a second appearance in an Apatow movie. Very nicely done. And uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's how you get pink eye. This was also the introduction um, in, in the world to Seth Rogen. I mean, I mean, obviously people had watched Freaks and Geeks and then Apatow's follow-up show. I don't remember that one, the one that didn't last as long. He's in 40 Virgin, I mean. And yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But this was his first starring role. And so yeah. this was like his star is born moment. <clears throat> Catherine Heigl, I mean, it, you got to take a second to remember this, but this was, she was the biggest thing in the world at this point as Dr. Izzy Stevens on Grey's Anatomy. For her to step into a comedic role, some people felt uh, this is maybe unfamiliar territory. We get a great comeback role for Paul Rudd. And, you know, a one-two punch of Knocked Up and Superbad, which has largely the same cast, 
was just a killer one-two punch for Apato. And, you know, his name was already on the map. But this one, I think, just solidified his place as not just a great comedy writer, but also a great director. And uh, at, at, at this point in my life, I actually kind of like This Is 40 more than Knocked Up because it has less of a story. And it's just more, it's more French. It kind of goes nowhere. It's kind of about nothing, which I kind of like. But this is a classic movie. And I think it actually is still really funny. All the jokes, I think, still work. There's been, you know, a little bit of talk in this movie about is it sexist? Call, uh, Catherine Heigl kind of called out the filmmaker and a few of the scenes in the movie. But I think for the most part, it's actually aged pretty well. And I think it's one of the few movies that I think men and women can both like equally. And, uh, you know, really, really have a, as fun fun as a date movie. I can't think of a great date R-rated date movie that has happened in the last 15 years. So I think this movie, uh, you know, it, 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 it ages quite nicely. And uh, it's, I think, one of Apatow's best. Maybe even better than The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah, I think this and The 40-Year-Old Virgin really, really solidified Apatow as, as being able to make these these raunchy comedies with a heart of gold. and uh, And appeal to so many people in doing it that way um i don't i couldn't remember the last time i saw this movie from start to finish and uh but even with that i couldn't believe how much of it i remembered so vividly also because it's just such a such a memorable movie and such a quotable funny movie um and I would say from experience, possibly one of the most accurate birth scenes in, in all of movies. So it, it has that going for it too. Um, now, Todd, I know you said you're, you, uh, you probably know this movie better than most movies. Um, so <laughs> you've seen this one a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching the theater too, but one thing I, I do remember Zach texted me after watching it and he said, the pop culture references in Knocked Up are going to take away any chance it has of timelessness. And I think that's just a bad take. I mean, and I think you'd even uh, recognize that. Like the Spider-Man stuff obviously is incredibly relevant watching it now. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. But I mean, I, I, that, that stuck out to me. I was like, that, that, I didn't really understand that then. And I think it, it makes, it just, I mean, it, it's a definitely set in 2007. Like, but uh, I, I think it's Wh absolutely Which one timeless. of you did I see this with in theaters? Because I, well, I had it to have seen it during the summer. It didn't come out during the school year. I, I yeah, saw it in Eugene. With me then. I can't yeah, believe you remember you. a text that I sent you. That's crazy. Because well, it was that it was that baffling that you said that. Because I mean, I think I think it may be Avatar's best movie. It's in my top ten of two thousand seven. I I've I've seen this movie probably collectively at least twenty five times. Like all the way through, though. I don't know if I've watched it in the last maybe at least five years, but. I've always loved it. I think the characters are great. Like, I mean, I think there are so many just like super talented people in this movie that have that are just getting started. Like, yeah. this oh, is yeah. like, like Kristen Wiig had this and Walk Hard, and like she had done like basically nothing at that point. Now she then she become a huge star. Like, I mean, there's there's just one example of like thirty of them, and I, 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 I just, yeah, of course, Craig Bill Robinson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every everybody has a great even Ken Jong. <laughs> yeah this was his film debut yeah i mean yeah i, I love this movie i think it, it it it's like as close to like um james l brooks territory that anyone can come in like the modern day it's 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 a masterpiece of comedy 
what I found really funny looking at this movie now, 15 years later, I mean, who would have thought 15 years ago that at this point there would be two Oscar nominees from this cast and it would be Jonah Hill and Kristen Wiig from the roles they played in this. I mean, there, there's no way. There's no way. It, I, I just was baffled by that idea. Has Paul Feig not been nominated for anything? Probably got close. Yeah. Steve Carell I, was in this movie for a second. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. He Same was. with James Franco. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I yeah. like how they're all, they all say as listed as themselves, except for Seacrest. It was Ryan Seacrest as Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> he actually had a role. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't actually playing himself necessarily. It's it's kind of interesting watching this movie like a little bit older. Like, do you guys think that Seth Rogen is that unattractive? Like, I think he's kind of a cute guy, you know? Like, I think like you look at the poster of this movie and it and the and the tagline is would what would happen if this guy got you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like he's not that bad looking of a guy. Like you yeah, know, you say a lot about Miles too. Like I mean, I, I, don't chubby, know. I, think, but I think you just love the character too much. I think he's a, he's a charming guy. Like what's what's really wrong with? That? I think he's you know he's he's, he's, a be- snob. he's better looking than than Jay. I mean, he's you know he's fine. <laughs> like what's what's wrong with his appearance? I I don't know. Now back in two thousand seven, I could maybe understand that, but you know, I I don't know. Like I think Seth Rosen even a, says that. Guy. In 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 Forty Old Virgin, he even says that he you know he's ugly, <laughs> and he's like, but I get with women. <laughs> I know? think if you want to ask what, what what's crazier than the two Oscar nominations is that this movie would have a People's Magazine sexiest person alive, and it is Paul. Fifteen Rudd. years later, <laughs> fifteen years later, it's Paul Rudd. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's kind of insane. Uh. I also thought, I mean, at this point, it, it, it's cool seeing like uh, um, Jason Siegel because he he this is like the one the one he did where he was just one of the guys and everything after that. He was he was like starring in it, but he was kind of a known commodity at this point because How I Met Your Mother started in 2005. And so he, he'd already been doing that for a couple years. Um, well, he and he was one of the, the most to do in, of all the, the side guys in this one. Yeah, he just kind of feels he feels different than the than the rest of them too, though. Just because, yeah, he he's given something else to do, where everyone else is just just one of the group, one of the group, one of the gang. That's and then point. the next year, he had forgetting Sarah Marshall. So um, this movie has also a, a whole lot, kind of going back to Todd's points of great pop culture conspiracy theories, like the conspiracy theory about Eric Bana being a great. Uh, you know, symbol of, of Jews. And that, that uh, whole conversation is just like the born, the born identity conversation in 40 year old virgin though. I mean, that, 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 that's the, yeah. that's a, I, I always thought Matt Damon was kind of a Streisand. I mean, that, that's the same conversation as Eric Bannon in Munich. Yeah. I mean, this, every scene in this movie has some pop culture <laughs> reference. Like, you know, marriage is like everybody loves Raymond, except it doesn't last 22 minutes. I mean, every, every scene if you don't know pop culture, uh, you're going to be lost in this movie. Well, Sam, that's probably it, what you were saying when you texted me about this 15 probably. years ago. <laughs> but it works. I, th- I think it still works, though. Like, you can still look back on it. And I it don't know who Mo- Modus Yahoo is. What is, what is Modus Yahoo? Yeah, I don't, I don't know who that is either. He, you know, he's, a, he's a singer. 
But I mean, that's why Pete would mention him. <laughs> oh yeah, because he's he's the music guy. Look up a picture of him. He's got like he's got like a white beard though. I think I, the, I best, did, the best I, I insult did. was the Robin Williams knuckles. That that one was funny. Yeah, that that one was pretty good. Um, I I, I did. Vagina like was just lazy. I don't know who said that. Yeah, that that one that Jason one was lazy. Said that. Um. He said, "He said, get out of my face. You look like a vagina or something." Oh yeah, yeah. I also I, I thought Scorsese on Coke was pretty good too. Yeah, he does because he does. He yeah. looks like Scorsese <laughs> in Taxi Driver. <laughs> I I like the one uh, the one scene where Paul Rudd um, walks in to the room. I don't remember which room. I think it was like the bathroom, and he and he's he's slap at the base like he does in "I Love You, Man." Like he, he's got <laughs> it up here and he's doing his thing. I, I thought that was really funny. Um. I just had to throw that out there. I'm looking forward to two years from now when we get a deep dive. I, I love you, man. Um, all right. Well, let's let's keep talking about um, about Apatow movies and all this stuff, and let's get into our Mount Rushmore, which is uh, the Mount Rushmore of Judd Apatow actors. Now, this doesn't have to be um, this doesn't have to be Apatow directed movies. Just kind of the Apatow universe. Um, the, uh, the most, I don't know, the, the most Apatow of Apatow actors or the best Apatow actors, however you want to take it. That's what we're going with here. Uh, and let's see here, Todd, we'll start with you. You want trivia. You get to go first. Well, if you're talking like actors that have been in multiple of his movies, like, I mean, the best actor is definitely Jonah Hill and he 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 doesn't necessarily shine in this one. You could tell that he's doing something, but like the same year, he there was super bad. And I mean, and then you're just like, okay, this is the guy. And of course, in Forty Year Virgin, he has this one scene that he's completely steals. Like I he and he's the best actor. Like I, I watch Wolf of Wall Street like constantly. Like he he's the he's the best actor that has come out of the Apatow Apatow crew. I mean, because he. <clears throat> What what do we say in the start of Apatow is like Anchorman or something like that was produced by him, right? Anchorman or Old School, something like that. Yeah, it's got to be Jonah Hill for me. All right, all right. Are we going to consensus Seth Rogen? Yeah, I think that's fair. That's what I was thinking. Okay, all right. We can. Cons- I w- I was thinking someone else for consensus, but we'll, we can go Seth Rogen. Leslie Mann. We'll yeah, that was the other one I was thinking we would consensus. I mean, I do not want a consensus Leslie Mann. I, she is up and down in in some movies. Okay, okay. Well, then, then you go next. What I thought was actually a more valid uh, pick would be Maude and Iris. I actually thought about picking them because yeah. I actually think they're both really talented. And what's kind of cool is that, I mean, part of the criticism of Apatow is that he gets really self-indulgent later on in his career and ca- by casting his own family, making these overlong movies and kind of be- casting himself in roles and basically, you know, a, a, a version of himself. But I actually think Maude and Iris are very talented, but I think you got to go with Paul Rudd. And I was looking at Paul Rudd's filmography. And if you look between, you know, the, between the years of 1995, Clueless and and uh, Anchorman. There's not a lot there like that. He really wasn't doing anything. We got Wet Hot American Summer, The Shape of Things, that Neil Butte movie. He plays someone named Mike Hannigan in Friends. I don't watch Friends, so yeah, he, he only he only he marries Phoebe. Yeah, great. Well, I don't consider that a great career move. I think uh, Apatow partially resuscitated 
Paul Rudd's career, he was able to become the Ant-Man off that and People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. And he's great in whatever he does in an Apatow production. We need to see more of him. But uh, although we see a lot of him in the 40-year-old virgin, especially at the, at, at the you know, tech place. But uh, I, uh, I love Paul Rudd, and um, I kind of model myself off Paul Rudd, and uh, he's a great role model. So, so you plan on looking 35 when you're 55 also? I plan on, I plan on being a, a Kansas City diehard sports fan, Jewish, and, uh, you know, like he does in Clueless, maybe reading Nietzsche uh, at a swimming pool. Uh, talking about Marky Mark dropping his pants for the for the coffee people. Wrong movie. So Terry, uh, what's your pick? Don't say Leslie Mann. Well, my my top pick was going to be Paul Rudd because just yeah the the varied career he's had with him and and the different things that he's done. I mean, starting with Anchorman and then you move into what he did in Royal Virgin and then this and then the Surf Instructor and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I love you, man. And then he wrote role models, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, and, and then this is 40. He just, yeah, uh, he, he's great, but no, I'm going to go Leslie man because Leslie man pops up in most of these movies and yeah, she's kind of hit or miss, but she's like a constant and, and she's pretty brilliant in this movie. And, um, and just, she, gets the comedy and uh and it it just works and maybe it works because they're married or whatever but i i think she's she's awesome and i mean you could go the other ones i've written down you could go will ferrell but he didn't it was very early on and didn't do much since jason siegel was another one i wrote down but i mean you gotta go leslie man you, you she's gotta be in in there yeah what is the downs you're talking about uh, I don't think she's great in Funny People. I don't think she's great in this movie. I think she's very what? good in 40-Year-Old Virgin and This is 40. It may be her character in this movie, but I don't know. I don't I don't see her saying anything in this movie that I laugh out loud at. I mean, I, it's like the scenes that she's in are sort of a buzzkill, I feel like, for the rest of the movie. And now I'm sounding like a misogynistic pig. But the truth is, I don't think he gives her a lot of like comic ammunition. He kind of makes her into this drabby, you know. Uh, she's great at that. No, she, I think she's, she's definitely really, not the funny one in this. She's, You're right. But, and she's a funny That's actor in real life. Like she had a lot of great comic chops in 40 year old version. I, I wish that she had had shown that more. Now, by the time we get to this is 40. She's actually funny because she's now just kind of a parody of herself in this movie. And I think she actually has a lot more interesting things to do in that movie. But no, in this movie and funny people, I feel like the, the, the least interesting scenes are involved her. I Is disagree. I think she should have been nominated for an Oscar for this movie. She's my number two supporting actress in 2007. Like she's, she's incredible. In, in she had a couple of good life. scenes, but they're not because of her. Like the Craig Robinson scene, which I want to talk about later is a great scene. That's because of Craig Robinson. The scene where, you know, Seth Rogen tells her to shove off in the waiting room. That's because of Seth Rogen. I mean, it's not because of anything she does in this movie. But in her defense, that might be the character. And it might be the writing more so than the acting. Is it bad that the first role I think of when I think of Leslie Mann is Big Daddy? I think of George of the Jungle. Yeah, I was going to say Ursula. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. All right. So our, our Mount Rushmore here is Seth Rogen, 
Jonah Hill, Paul Rudd, and Leslie Mann of of Apatow actors. Those are the four I wrote down. Yeah, that's 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 pretty solid. I, I I don't think you can really go wrong with that. All right, let's get into recasting this thing. And we're recasting the main four, and then anybody else you have after that. So let's start with let's start with Ben Stone. That's a horrible Seth Rogen. I'm not even going to try that anymore. Um, <laughs> it was passable. It, it, okay, okay. Well, that's that's good at least. Quasible. All right, um, Zach, we're going to start with you. Who who plays Ben? in uh the 2022 version of knocked up all right i before i say my pick i want to preface that this movie establishes that ben is 23 years old let's be very clear (laughs) about that he looks 33 according to leslie mann hilarious line uh just kidding um but i cast an actor who according to imdb is 20 years old or turns 20 years old this year i guess but we got to assume this movie's going to go into pre-production and then start filming and then maybe he'll be in the 21 22 range and that is Gaten Matarazzo from Stranger Things, uh, aka Dustin on Stranger Things. Again, I know he's young, probably too young, but come on. I mean, the guy looks a lot like Seth Rogen, and he could kind of convey that kind of goofy demeanor, and he's got the kind of stature of Seth Rogen. And uh, I would, I could, you could see his name on the front of the Blu-ray cover, and says, "Would you want to get impregnated by this guy?" Okay. All right. That's an, that's an interesting way to go. I, I, I'll i go next. I thought there was only one way to go with this, and that's Pete Davidson. Too obvious, though. Like, that, I know, mm-hmm. but it's so obvious you have to pick it. Like, it, no, it's obviously Pete Davidson. Him as, him as Jay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to The question have gone in there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would be funny. Yeah, no, I'm going Pete Davidson, though. Well, Ben Stone's father is played by Harold Ramis, so I decided to do this if it was made in 1982, 40 years ago. Oh, okay. And mine is probably a little bit too old, but he's got to be able to look slobby and old enough to be be like 33, but also you could make him still play a college kid because he was when he was really old, and that's John Belushi. This came out in 1982. That'd be a beautiful John Belushi role. Yes, that's a good call. I like it. I like it. All right, Zach, Allison, brought to us by Katherine Heigl. Well, if we're going to talk about the Apatow filmography, let's go with someone who he casts in a lot of his movies, and that is none other than his own daughter, Maude Apatow. Or we could go with Iris Apatow. But uh, I think, again, uh, well, maybe I'll go with Iris. I think Iris actually might be a slightly better actor than Maude. I don't know. I just remember her. I think she's really good on the series Love. And she's blonde, so maybe that makes her look more like a nineteen. Be working for E. Okay. Well, again, I know my my cat. Okay. Well, then I'll say I'll say Maud. She's a little older, obviously. Uh, but one of the Apato daughters. We'll we'll put it that way. Maud is the one that's on Euphoria, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Catherine Heigl was twenty-eight <laughs> when this movie was made. Yeah. Oh, so I... more sense why what for her real age. Yeah, I always go f- try to go with something close to the age. And uh, someone I found that was right around that late 20s age that uh, had the right feel, I think, and could really pull it off. I went with Kiki Palmer. I think that would be a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. I haven't that's thought about kinda, her in a long cool. time. I could see it. I could see it work. Okay. Um, Mine uh, for 1982, it's a 
an act actress is actually mentioned in this movie. Uh, Meg Ryan is my Allison Scott. <laughs> and it would have been she'd be around the right age. It'd be a little early. I think she had like one acting credit by 1982, but uh, she was coming up on Top Gun pretty soon. Oh, was that was her big break, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. Okay, all right. Okay, moving on to Deb. Allison's sister, played by Leslie Mann. Zach? All right, well, again, I'm, I'm going with Allison's slightly slash much older sister. I thought this was a fairly easy recasting. I went with Brie Larson. Oh, I like it. I like it. Okay. Could be funny, could be serious, could be a pain in the ass, but good on camera. So, so with me picking Kiki Palmer for Allison, I couldn't pick Brie Larson for for Deb. So I mean, it's um, a mixed family because John Lithgow was not in the picture; he abandoned them. So who knows? I I'm going. I went with Issa Rae as Deb to be uh, Kiki Palmer's older sister. Old is she? Right around as. Uh, Leslie Mann's age. I'm trying to. I mean, there are there are not a lot of black people in this movie. I I will uh, I I will agree with you there. This movie needs a little bit more diversity. So let's see here. Leslie Mann was. Leslie Mann was what 36, and yeah, I think that's how old Issa Rae is. Okay. I'll look this up. Well, my Debbie for 1982. There was only one answer when I thought about it. I mean, and. I don't think you guys would argue. It's Beverly D'Angelo. And she, everything she, she has passed. ever done is playing this, this role. <clears throat> yes, I like it. I like it. By the way, Issa Rae is 36. Um, okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Last one we're casting all together. Pete, played by the ageless Paul Rudd. Zach. Okay, well, this one um, was sort of a challenge. I really thought of two actors. You guys could decide which one you think is better. They're kind of the same actor, though. I went with either Michael Sarah, who is in the outtakes of this movie uh, as, uh, as Ben. I don't know if you guys ever saw it. It's a hilarious 27-minute um, segment on the DVD where... Uh, they talk about all the different actors that were cast as Ben and Michael Sarah's one is definitely one of the funniest ones, Michael Sarah or Jesse Eisenberg. I yeah. say though, maybe, maybe go Michael Sarah. We haven't, we haven't seen Michael Sarah uh, in a while. And uh, you know, it was sort of funny mentioning Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man three in the context of Michael Sarah as his, as player X and Molly's game. There we go. It goes full circle. I like Michael Sarah. Let's bring him back. Scott Pilgrim reuniting with Brie Larson. There we go. Perfect. Well, if you want to do a full like Scott Pilgrim reuniting, you get Mary Elizabeth Winstead in there too. And then, then you're really good. Yeah. All right. Uh, my Pete, I went with Lamorne Morris because I could totally see him geeking out over picking Matsui in a fantasy baseball draft. Who? Yeah. L Lamorne Morris. He was Winston and New Girl. Oh, he's okay. Done. He's done some other stuff. The Bud Light commercial. The Bud Light commercial. The Bud Light commercial. Right. <laughs> well, he couldn't play Pete because he Pete likes Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. That's true. Yeah. Valid point. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I, I guess you could also 
cast like Jake Johnson in that role too. Just you know, the whole cast of New yeah, Girl. That's, is that's kind of the obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Todd. Well, the, the in 1982, the, the most Paul Ruddiest Paul Rudd actor is, of course, Steve Gutenberg, but he's too young in 1982. So I went with Paul Reiser because he's a little oh, bit older and it's a, a similar, uh, similar kind of thing. It's got to be well, someone from Diner. Yeah, 1982 with Paul Rudd. I thought, I, I think one from 82 would have been Michael Keaton. I, just, I was just thinking that, that too. Was he acting back? Yeah, night shift. Night and... shift. Yeah, he's doing something. Yeah, that would have been good too. All right, you guys have any others? I didn't have any others. I think my cast wins. I like my cast. Well, of course, Nicholas Cage would play Jay. I mean, that, I, if I was casting that in 1982, oh, I had it, yeah. I had Rami Malek as Jay. That would be interesting. It'd be Rami. Probably too small of a role for an Academy Award winner, but <laughs> I know I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Who who would Nicholas Cage play now? Uh, um, the Doctor. Oh, the, doctors. the Doctors. <laughs> That's good. Which Doctor? I like, think the one the one that flakes out on them, Dr. Howard, <coughs> the one who ends up going to a bar mitzvah in San oh. Francisco. One hell of a bar mitzvah over three we, days. We would need a uh, a scene where he's actually on the phone with them or something. Like <laughs> I thought uh, can I talk about that scene for a second where where he's on the phone with oh he leaves the message. Did you guys feel like that scene was the most like I mean, now at this point we've had all, almost 20 years of Judd Apatow. We've seen a lot of interviews with him. It felt like that scene was Judd Apatow delivering those lines. Like that felt like Seth Rogen impersonating Judd Apatow. Like that, it just felt like th that. And a lot of this movie apparently is autobiographical based on the birth of his daughter, Maude. And I, and I think that was one of the episodes that he took from real life. I just, that message of, guess what, Dr. Howard, you're not here. I feel like Judd Apatow would leave that <laughs> message on a doctor's phone, not the character of Ben. Uh, but it, it's so Seth Rogen at the same time, though. And like how, like, so, like the year <laughs> after this, like Kevin Smith did a similar thing where it's like he's clearly playing Kevin Smith, like in a, in a lot of scenes. Like people just use Seth Rogen to be like, "Hey, you're gonna be my stand-in." It's kind of awesome. What's Seth Rogen's best performance? Would you say it's this movie? <sighs> Probably. I think in a weird way, he's really great in the Tommy Wiseau movie. I, he, he doesn't get any sort of props. I know Todd doesn't like that movie as much as I do, but like, I, I think disaster artist. Yeah, disaster artist. He's like really good in that as, again, more of a straight man type character. It's either for me, it's either this or like take this waltz or something like that. Like he's 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 had his moments where he, he is so unique and uh, but in this he this is you could see the scenes where it's like okay this guy is like a real actor like the uh, there's a few times when he just like explodes and you're like whoa <laughs> he's not just like that crazy stoner from Warrior Virgin. Was Seth Rogen ever a guest star on Boy Meets World? <laughs> it should have been. <clears throat> I mean, should have, Linda Cardellini was in was in Boy Meets World and yeah. Freaks and Geeks, so he should have should have crossed over. Uh, Todd, how about how about Dirty Randy from the league? As what? As, as his best performance. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I see. I, I, was, I was just thinking of Rafi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obviously. That's, that's a great one. <laughs> uh, uh, we No one said an American pickle. So that's true. Actually, that is a good performance. It is not a great movie, but it is. It's a, well, the of, dual performance. Yeah. In terms of the like the, the the requirements of the role, like and for him to age too, like, actually, I think you, you're probably right, Terry. That might actually be his best performance like performance. You know, it was definitely him shooting the highest. Like like he, he was trying for a great performance in that movie. Now, I would also say that the Green Hornet. He had to be in the Green Hornet. So that alone deserves some sort of recognition from this board, like Mark Zuckerberg says. I actually have him number seven for best supporting actor coming up this year for the Fable Wins because he plays like the uncle or something. I feel like every few years there's one of those roles where it's like, okay, this is where Seth Rogen gets taken seriously and it never really works out. Like he had the Steve Jobs movie, of course, is one of them. He was really good in Funny People, too. Like I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but he was he was really good in that. Yes. Yeah. He also has um, the TV show Pam and Tommy coming out here soon too. Oh man, I cannot wait until that show. Can we review that? <laughs> that needs to be reviewed on this podcast. Yeah, I just my favorite part of Funny People, which I'm sure we'll deep dive a little bit, is when Adam Sandler says. Ira Wright, I detect a little Judaism in that name. <laughs> that was a great impression. That was a great Thank impression. Smyra. All right. Highest war. Highest war. Todd, go first. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say Seth Rogen. He's, he's just... He's so singular. I can't imagine what this role, what this movie would have been without Seth Rogen in that role. Like, I can't even imagine Jonah Hill doing that even like a few years later or anything. Like, this is so Seth Rogen. And even John Belushi isn't exactly what Seth Rogen brings because he's just, for some reason, you always root for that character, even he, when he's so unlikable. And uh, it's because it's Seth Rogen. Yeah, that's who I had written down too. So I'm going to have to try and come up with someone else. Um, I'd probably go for a backup. I'd probably go Paul Rudd just because I, I mean, all his performances in, in, uh, Apatow movies are so different and varied, but here he plays, it feels like he plays the most himself, just this kind of like likable, somewhat loser that tense and mess things up it, it it feels the most paul rudd of the paul rudd roles in apatow movies so um yeah i i'd say seth rogan but if i'm gonna go with someone else i'd say paul rudd what about you zach uh i guess yeah i mean of the main characters i suppose seth rogan but for me the most instantly unrecastable role if we're talking about the war is harold ramis and I love that scene. It might be my favorite scene. Spoiler alert. Maybe it's my number one favorite scene from this movie. But the guy looks like Seth Rogen's dad. Okay. So they got the physical resemblance right, right there. And Harold Ramis is great in whatever movie role he's in. I, he's also the doctor in uh, uh, the uh, As Good As It Gets. He's great in one scene. He's just, he kills whatever single scene he, he was in. Rest in peace. He's passed away. But that is a great scene. 
great exchange. I almost wanted that scene makes me think like I almost wanted like a, a my dinner with Andre type movie with just those two characters talking for an hour and a half. That would have been fantastic to watch. And well, the phone call is pretty good too between them. Yeah, the phone calls the phone calls good, but we don't see him, so it's not quite as good. I think his delivery is so on. And I, you can't. Who else could they recast as Seth Rogen's father? It's impossible. No one could play that role except for Harold Ramis. That is perfect casting. It's inspired casting, and it feels like they shot that in one day. And uh, I think it, it's it's sort of an instantly iconic uh, Harold Ramis performance, mini performance. Yeah, that's a great call. That's a great call. All right. Well, now worst performance, Todd. What do you got? <sighs> Well, I mean, there's a few. I mean, I'll just say, okay, Maude Apatow is bad in this movie. And I mean, I think she's a really good actress. She's great in Euphoria, but she doesn't know what she's doing. Like, even Iris, you could tell she knows she's on screen, but Maude is like, stop. You're starting to annoy me. I'm like, I, I've never been like, what the hell was that? Like, I, I've never, I, every time I see that, I'm just like, that is like the one flaw in this movie is like that line. And it, I mean, it's one of her only roles or one of her only lines she has. So I, I got to say Maude Apatow. She's really bad. That, what's that, with, what's with Todd call. hating on all the little children? You know, that, that is like... <laughs> hey, I didn't say anything time. bad about you the said, children in home team. That's true, but we didn't deep dive that. I feel like anytime we do a deep dive and it involves children, you're always... Because most of them are 90s movies and all the children sucked back then at acting. That's probably a fair point. All right. Um, so I I had trouble kind of coming up with the worst performance because there's so many great ones. But uh, I'll mention two. Uh, I'll mention uh, Charlene Yee as Jody. Oh come on, she's she's I, funny. She <laughs> is, but she's Charlene just Yee. she just pops up. Is like, what the hell is that? Um. Yeah, that, I, that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't like saying her, but I'll say it. The other one I was going to say was Alan Tudyk as uh, as the head of E. Yeah, it's he's just kind of a, slimy. He's, he's, he's just really so slimy. Yeah. See, this is the problem, though. There's not a bad performance, so I got to pick Paul a... Paul is bad. That was the other one. What? Yeah. As the, in, in his the one guy, line. The fancy in his baseball. one line. Yeah, he yeah. is a really curious character. Like who dresses up that nice for a fancy baseball draft? Clearly, this is like a costume fantasy baseball. I was gonna draft say he probably went straight from work. Well, Paul Rudd went all out with the Orioles uniform. <clears throat> By the yeah. way, when did he change into that? Like he must have gone upstairs, got the uniform out, drove over there, and then put it on. Yeah, probably. Put it I mean, on I'm sure house. he leaves with a bag if he's going to out late. Like I don't know. Do you think he wore a Spider-Man outfit to Spider-Man Three? If if none of the other guys, the guys in Ben's house did, then I don't think Paul Rudd did. But I mean, he could have. Well, I mean, he went by himself though. So did he go at night? I can't remember. Like it, I think yeah, so. I think it was, yeah, because yeah. he always leaves at night. That's why she yeah. thinks he's cheating. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Zach. What do you have? Yes. Uh, Leslie Mann, uh, same reasons I said before. I, you know, I'm with all due respect to Judd, and I, I you know, I, I, I and, and the and the problem is she was so funny in 40 year old virgin. And this movie, I know that they're out, you know, the screenplay is not out to make her someone who's inherently hilarious, but I don't know. She, I think she sort of drags the movie down, and it's like 
what Todd, tell me one thing funny she does in this movie. I, I don't think she has any funny lines. I don't think she does anything that's that comedic. Like, I feel like Judd She's not the comedy. wanted the scene with her running through the grocery store to get the pregnancy test to be funny. It is not, it's just not. I don't know. I, I mean, I think I do think she's she's funny in the scene after she gets berated by by Ben. I think that she's. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously the scene with with Craig Robinson is just <laughs> amazing, and the scene when they first meet uh, Jason, I, I think is I think she's she's really funny in that scene too. But she I mean she's she's annoying and she's bitchy, but she's funny. She sets everybody else up in this one. Like, like she tees up the jokes and everybody else takes them. So she distributes the ball. She's just the. Exactly. She's the point guard. Yeah. She every 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 comic game needs a manager. straight man, and she she's the straight one in this. I don't. I, I don't. She's great. I don't. Think I think, so. I I think she should have been nominated for this. Seriously. Uh, if I was Jeffrey Larson in there of the of the main four, my my worst performance is Catherine Heigl. I I would say. Like watching I mean, it this I time, Catherine I was like, Heigl's "Fine." In a way, I, time, in a way, yeah. I think Paul Rudd might be the worst of the four. But I mean, he's great. He's, I mean, it's it's Paul Rudd. But I mean, he also is so relaxed that you almost feel like he's not even acting. That's true. Okay, amazing, Larry, Big Tim, High Roller, minor character of the film award. Uh, I mean, I'll go first because I wrote down Ben's dad. Um. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could rename that award for this movie, like, who just comes off the bench and gives an amazing five-minute performance? Because there's there so many, many of them. So many nominees. Yeah. I mean, you said earlier, Kristen Wiig. I mean, she's phenomenal in this movie, in her two <laughs> scenes. She's great. Bill Hader? That's that's hilarious. Steve Carell? Well, Steve Carell's not hilarious, but that's like a really... That actually is a really interesting moment, because... Steve Carell, well, I've always said, you know, maybe this is a controversial take, but if we're talking top five actors in Hollywood who would never get accused of sexual assault, I, we should cut this out already. It's going a bad direction. But <laughs> Tom Hanks would be number one. I think Steve Carell would be number two. And the, the line is mentioned by Bill Hader. You made Steve Carell look like an asshole. That's impressive. And uh, I think that that seemed like a really genuine moment of Steve Carell, like that he would actually, you know, react like that on the red carpet. Yeah, it was such an awkward moment that and he plays it to its peak awkwardness. Um yeah. Todd, who'd you have? Well, I mean, I, I love the random nurses. Like I'm surprised you guys haven't mentioned BJ Novak because you love that show so much that he's in with Steve Carell. But uh also and, and Adam again? Scott. Yeah, I don't know. Uh Adam Scott is great as Samuel. But <laughs> I would, you know, I'm not, I, I was not thrilled with Adam Scott because by that point in the movie, you're two, two hours in. This is actually one of my flaws, but I'll just say it right now. Well, no, that, like, this, that, this, that's why it's brilliant is because they think that too. They're like, we're finally getting this done. And he's just like, so what else is up with you guys? <laughs> it's like, well, of course we need this like little asshole that keeps stalling. I know. I just kind of, I just kind of thought like we've had two hours of these kind of characters. Can we just. Can, can we just kind of move along? Like, one of the problems we'll, we'll talk about, this movie's a little too long, but, like, the Adam Scott character, it's like, really, does every single supporting male character in this movie need to be quirky and funny and just awkward? Like, let's just sort of... See, I don't think Bill Hader's it. necessarily that. Like, Bill Hader, like, I, one part I love is, like, when she's throwing up right next to him, he puts his hands up, like, 
I didn't do it. And I was like, how exactly are you going to make her throw up? <laughs> like, who's going to accuse you of doing something wrong? That character's awesome. And, you know, Bill Hader like, is also in, in the running for highest war because I do think that that role could be played by other people, but he just, he nails being an editor. Like, that, that he, he looks, he gives off a vibe of being an editor, someone backstage. That, it, like, the voice, the intonation, perfect. But for me, it's Craig Robinson. Like he, that that role is just, it's, I know. <laughs> like the way, when he when he says that, it's like, oh shit, this is awesome. <laughs> and his whole spiel. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, we could do this all day. These characters are amazing. Also from the Office, by the way, Craig Robinson. Daryl, Daryl. <laughs> My minor character was also Daryl, but for the sake of argument, I'll go with uh, uh, oh crap, where is it? I lost, I lost it. Who was it? It was uh, Jonah's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> there it is. I Emerson, build Emerson Riley. I just, I want to know more about that character. I mean, she, she's into Jonah Hill. You know, she really likes Jonah. She sees uh, a lot of promise in watching wild things. And, um, oh, yeah. Also, we could say Denise Richards and Nev Campbell as great minor characters as well. It's true. It's true. Uh, all right. Um, Stickman, douchebag. Todd. Well, Stickman. I mean, I guess he could. I mean, okay. Well, it's got to be Jason. Jason's a smooth talker. I'm sure he gets he gets plenty gets it in plenty. We don't actually see it necessarily, but I was gonna say yeah. he's like the only one we don't see with well, someone we don't, though. We don't see Martin with anybody either. It isn't but, isn't Jody with Martin? Oh yeah. Well, are they? I think they're just friends. I don't know if they are. No, like, she said, bang. "Can we change boyfriends? Can we exchange oh, boyfriends?" That's true. That's a weird thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. By the way, yeah. So I mean, Jason—he's also into older women. That's probably why, because there aren't a lot of older women in this movie. Uh, and douchebag—the the list is equally long to the minor characters. There's a shit ton of douchebags in this movie. The list is I'm, long and distinguished. Yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, <laughs> should most of the main characters are douchebags too? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Andy Dick because he actually does like molest her on the red carpet so that probably is as douchey a thing as, as you can get yeah, this movie call. is not it's not it has not aged that badly up surprisingly enough i mean considering you know <coughs> uh, where we are in society it's I, it, it's 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 not terrible it could be worse that scene though maybe a little excessive but it is Andy, Andy Dick, Dick, so maybe it fits with his character. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, who do you have? Uh, I, my biggest stick man was Matt Dillon in Wild Things. And <laughs> my biggest douchebag uh, also was uh, Paul Feig as the fancy baseball guy because, Liz, I mean, first of all, he, you know, he's a, he's a jerk about Cal Carlos Delgado. And yeah, he is. He, I mean, again, this is this dates the movie nicely back to 2007 when we had live drafts. Do you guys, first of all, mad props to anybody who did a live baseball draft in person. That's yeah, that's, that's dedication impressive. and commitment. Um, 
But then to just you know kind of I mean and, you know the, the 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 real benefit of doing those in person drafts was the ball busting, but he's still a, a douche about it, and I don't think oh come on are, you know like you know original. if you tried to draft someone three rounds after he'd already been picked that we would give you crap for days. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's just because everybody in this movie's likable. I don't know. I mean, I could see maybe so many douchebags. Yeah, but they're, but they're they're likable in in a lot of ways. I don't know. Maybe maybe Craig Robinson's boss. How about that? Same as Bud's boss probably. Yeah, Larry. <laughs> He's useless as an asshole right here. <clears throat> All right. Uh my my spider stick man, I I have Jason down also. Cuz even though he is how That's much of true. that is influenced by Jason Siegel and this is 40 though? Is that just sub- subconsciously are you remembering that? No, I don't remember anything of this is 40. Really? Yeah. I I, 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 I saw it once in theaters and that Jason. was it. He plays like a fitness instructor or something. Yeah, he's yeah. become a fitness instructor <clears throat> and he he uh he he gets it going with Megan Fox in that movie which is you know pretty amazing. That's my low key like hot take is I think this is 40 is better than this movie. I mean, it's it's not like th- this. They're both great movies. This is just a fun sort of funny movie with some great lines of dialogue. Like this is 40 actually, I think, has something to say about middle age. And I don't know. I think that's what elevates it a little bit. But like I said, it's more French and nothing really happens for two and a half hours. Well, and like I said, I haven't seen this is 40 since it came out. So I, I need to rewatch it. And I don't know. Maybe we'll deep dive it later. Uh, my douchebag. I have Jonah down as the douchebag. Um. I don't know. It just feels like it fits. Oh yeah, he's totally a douchebag. The, all of the the friends are douchebags. Yeah. The other douchebags are Alan Tudyk, of course. He's oh he's, yeah. Um, Pete, in a lot of ways, is a douchebag. Ben's dad's a douchebag. All of the doctors <laughs> are total douchebags. James Franco. Franco. Yeah, I mean, he's also really funny though. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those. those, those <laughs> yeah, well, and I had him written down for it. douchebag too because he did not read the comic books until he was in the movie Spider-Man Three, which is a sort of douchey thing to admit. Until he was in Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man Three, yeah. Oh, okay, Spider-Man. Excuse until, me. Until he started making the movies, I think he said. Yeah. Uh, can I just say, like, one of the more relatable rants was Ryan Seacrest. Like uh, yes. Ryan Seacrest is ranting. Yeah, I'm that like, was dude, a good moment, dude. Preach, man. <laughs> And 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 the one thing that I was thinking was if this movie was made today, Ryan Seacrest part would still be played by Ryan Seacrest because he still does the exact same thing and that works p- like five different jobs. Okay, so we could also make a list of like Apato trademarks, and one of his trademarks that really started with this movie and then continued was the celebrity cameo rants. Like there are a lot of those. Like remember Eminem, Marshall Mathers in uh, 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 Funny, Funny People. People? And um, we've got also Andy Dick, believe it or not, in the great Netflix series Love. I mean, there's a whole episode devoted to his rants. Have Isn't you seen Ray Love? Romano in this is, I have not seen Love. Too. Yeah, he well, they're, they're 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 talking together. Yeah, the celebrity cameos got got annoying at a certain point, but this is like still when Apatow was fresh enough that that we could you know stomach it. I, I, mean, I just don't think he's on the top of his game. He's got a movie coming out this year too, but it's like a stupid COVID movie. So I don't... when when he did the Marv Albert and Matthew Broderick thing at the end of uh, Trainwreck, I I was off that. I'm like, okay, let's stop with this celebrity cameos. We've done this a million times. It's not interesting. 
We know you love celebrities. We knew you. We know you grew up essentially as William Miller, except instead of Stillwater, it was celebrities and comedians. Let's get over the hero worship. Let's and not do the yeah, and let's not just make this uh, a cult of personality to your favorite celebrities. Well, he didn't have any of that in King of Staten Island. That's true. That's a good point. Although he cast Bill Burr, but I, I think a cameo though. I guess that's true. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think Seacrest of all the of all the celebrity rants is just it, the best because that like, is, that, oh, dude, mad respect for getting. It, we should have done a Mount Rushmore of Apatos uh, can, celebrity cameos, and Seacrest would would be on the list. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this is that, a, Seacrest that, at the height of his powers too. That's exactly what, what you he probably thinks it could never actually say, and he's got this movie <laughs> that hasn't seen it. Exactly That's why he's yeah. not cast as himself; he's cast as Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> like, I'm more famous than half the people in this town anyway. <laughs> It pisses me off. And now I'm sweaty. I love that. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. I got American Idol. It's live. <laughs> uh, all right. What's the best scene? Zach, you already mentioned yours, so go ahead and, and talk about some more. Uh, well, I mean, we could choose a whole number of scenes. That's clearly my favorite scene. I And I also got to say, I love how it's, it's juxtaposed with uh, Catherine Heigl talking to her mother. I think that's just great. I love that the, the, her mom is like, don't have this baby, you know, have an abortion, remember your stepsister, and now she lives a happy life. And then we cut to Harold Ramis saying, I'm going to be a grandfather. Great, great editing. This movie actually, Apatow gets a lot of shit for, you know, not editing his movies well. This movie has a lot of really good editing moments in it like that. And uh, that is a great scene in the movie. Let's see, was there anything else that I wrote down as a great scene? I mean, um, I don't know. You guys go. I'll, I'll try to think of a couple more good, good scenes. There's, there's a lot of good ones. Well, that's probably my favorite scene, too. And the other thing I really like about it is Catherine Heigl's mom is played by the mother from Growing Pains. And so it's yeah. these it's these two people that we know that are known commodities from the 80s that are known as like, you know, well, for for oh, what was her name? Joanna, Her Joanna Kearns. She's known as a mom. Yeah. Harold Ramis is known as kind of this goofball already from all the different stuff that he had done. I don't know. It, it just kind of fits. Um, Could we say the Vegas scene is a great scene? Yeah, I, I was going to say the, the scene in the in the hotel room with the chairs is possibly my the scene I laugh the hardest at every time I watch this movie. Oh, when I stayed it's at the Mirage ridiculous. like a year ago, <laughs> I had four chairs in my room and they were all different. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And my room wasn't even big. Like, they had a big room. So I'm sure that if, if I had a bigger room, I probably would have had that many chairs. I I like, yeah, this is too many chairs. Yeah, and so, one bed so and four chairs. The, the chair scene and then, and then yeah, the parent scene. Todd, how about you? Oh, it's the double date. It's got to be the double date. Like, Rodney oh, yeah, that's and a good one too. Rudd are on fire in that scene. It's it's their you know how you know you're gay kind of thing where they're playing off each other. They're just so comfortable. Like this is fun. We should do this more. I think. And it's like <laughs> you know the whole, you know this is my time machine. You know, and then it's like, and she asks like, I don't know who Doc Brown is, and he's like, yeah. he invented the DeLorean. And it's like he doesn't say Back to the Future. He's like he invented the DeLorean. It's a time machine. <laughs> Like every part of that scene is perfect and it is hilarious. The funniest scene in the movie. However, flaw. How does Allison work at an entertainment news channel and not know what Back to the Future is? Because women don't understand comedy. Women aren't funny. 
No, I, I don't well, know. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a movie that's older than she is, probably, right? Yeah, or almost. No. No. I think that scene, no. I can't, oh, I, I agree with Todd, that scene's funny, but that is, that probably, that scene probably is the worst offender of, okay, let's make these women wet blankets who have no personality and no sense of No, because Leslie Mann is the heel in that scene, too, where she's like, why don't you guys go back in time? You know, I mean, she's she's got a great line in that. Like, I, I, well, I, 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 I like I, that scene because it it just totally like, shows like, that 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 um, Paul Rudd and uh, Seth Rogen just immediately hit it off and have this connection to each other because they're dating the sisters and the sisters are so similar. Paul Rudd does his his De Niro in that, <laughs> like Rogen's like, how can you hate this guy? You just want to kiss him, you know. <laughs> like, it's it's a it's a great scene. Zach, did you have any others? Oh, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you you were gonna think about it, so I didn't know. Uh, uh, no, not really. I guess the earthquake's kind of funny. I don't know. And and I you, I guess you can say the fancy baseball draft is funny. I do like the line that he says. Uh, you know that guy said, "Don't let the door hit your vagina on the way out." That was a funny moment. <laughs> that was hilarious. Fun, funny was moment hilarious. referencing another funny moment. It's rare when characters actually relay what happened in the last scene in the movie for another laugh, and that and it works. And uh, especially when he didn't laugh at it the first time, that's what makes yeah. that line so funny. Is he's, like, and that's also he's why. Like, oh. That's also why why that character is a douche. I, I I do have to shout. I mentioned it before, but the other scene I love is just the end in the hospital. I think that it's hilarious, and and what what's actually going on in the delivery room, and then you've got Jay running in. Shouldn't have gone in there. You shouldn't have gone in there. And Jason Siegel creepily knowing way too much about gynecology. I mean, it's, it's there's so much stuff going on in that in that uh in that scene. It's just. Well, me and Martin, Martin once out of the bet, and all he has to say is, <laughs> you're, the you're the master. Uh, uh, yeah, that was, that was a good one, too. Yeah. Okay. Let's move into to flaws, outdated things, conspiracy theories. Anybody, anybody got uh, anything? Todd, go well, for it. So, I mean, I was doing the math. Okay, so if Ben's 23, he says he said he got run over by a truck 10 years ago. That and he, but he said he was in high school when it happened. That would have made him 13. That doesn't add up. Like, did he say 10 years ago? Yeah, he said it. It's he's like it's it's almost 10 years ago, and you know it's lasted me until now. So almost I mean, no 10 years, almost. Yeah, but does almost mean like seven <laughs> or something? You, you you enter high school at 14. Why not? So. I don't know. It's, it's just off. He shouldn't yeah. have said almost 10 years. Uh, also, there is a uh, preview on the, the DVD for HD DVDs. Yes. How revolutionary it is. That was shocking. Was Along, that there's also a Heroes DVD release. <laughs> uh, and HD and DVD. White Noise 2 and Bring It On, In It to Win It. That is also... Yes. I don't we know all watch how, the same DVD. <laughs> I don't know how any of that is on the... <laughs> 
knocked up DVD. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing similar to the movie at all. So the one thing with that that I completely forgot about was when in the HD DVD uh, commercial, it mentioned that you can play them on any HD DVD device or your Xbox 360. And I forgot that part of the war between HD DVD and Blu-ray was that PlayStation carried Blu-ray players and Xbox 360s carried HD DVD players. And like they like joined the war. I had completely forgotten mm. about that until they mentioned that. And my only conspiracy theory, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but that Perfect 10 poster just shows that this is in the same universe as Superbad. Because that's the that's the uh, Perfect 10 is a porn site they wanted to get because it sounded like a bowling website and it'd be easier to, it'd be, uh, easier to pass off as something else when, the, when they find, get the bill or something like that. And so I just can... love that, that they are in the same universe and Seth Rogen that year was also playing a cop. I don't know. So it's like cool. it's like Kevin Smith's New Jersey and Tarantino with the Vega Brothers and Red Apple. Super. Exactly. Yeah. But that, I mean that that is the only that's the first time I think I've seen like uh, like a parallel other than him just like having the same characters like this. Morning. But then how could Jonah Hill be both Jonah and Seth? Well, Seth, Seth is also Officer Michaels and an Officer Richards. One of those. I don't know. He's one of the officers. Daniels but, and and Daniels. Bill Hader too. Yeah, and Bill Hader's in both too. It, it so they have to be work. in the same universe. Yeah. So I've got one flaw that I found. Okay. So, like, Allison and Ben have the big breakup right at the doctor's office, and then he goes off and decides he's going to make his life better, and uh, and moves out, moves into the apartment, and and all this stuff, and and then she goes into labor, and she has no one to call but Ben. How does she know his number? It's a landline. That's true. Yeah, because he never had a phone up to that point. He never and had a he, phone. He and it's a landline. It he like answers a landline phone. Then. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of little yeah. issues like that. Like another thing that I wrote down was how does Ben know that it's the birthday party? Like no one invited him. Like the the timeline in this movie compresses some stuff that maybe explains why certain people are able to connect with others when they're not talking. So is this why Apatow made uh, a TV show? Because he realized that he needed more time, even though his movies are already pretty long? Probably. Anyways, What's the that shortest was... Apatow movie? That's a good question. Trainwreck, probably. Oh, that's over two hours. It's got to be. Really? I, I think, well, Rule Models isn't an Apatow movie, but no, that's if you consider that, is, that's under two hours. Yeah, I mean, Trainwreck has all the same issues. It's just too long. You have two hours, five minutes. That still so might be the shortest. How, how long it, is this? Yeah, it could 40. be. Oh. Like two, two and hours and 20. Two hours <laughs> it, it is like, like a long, boring Jacques Rivette French movie. But see, it works because... It's like a friend. Staten movie. Island is long, right? That's like yeah, yeah, two sixteen. Funny people is forever. Funny two people, yeah, is over two and a half, isn't it? Two hours twenty six minutes. So forty year virgin is an hour fifty six. Whoa! But, but the unrated version is like at least fifteen minutes longer, right? That could be. I don't think it has that stuff listed on IMDb anymore. 
Uh, unrated well, looking cut at it, in 133 up, minutes. Knocked up, so, yeah. it says, is is two hours, nine minutes, but the cut so, I watched today was 216. So Trainwreck is the shortest. If you if we're not counting the theatrical cut of 40-Year-Old Virgin. Right. Because who watches that? I, I don't think I've seen the theatrical cut of 40-Year-Old Virgin in, like... <laughs> Since it since the theater really, I mean, because on well, TV and on and on the unrated the unrated cut what adds adds like the Stormy Daniels stuff right or is that in the theatrical cut? I just I just looked up. It's 133 minutes. I don't know so, if I've ever seen the unrated 40 year old version. Well, the, so it the, adds know, 17 minutes. I know, I know. Like in the unrated cut is the the scene where he's on the phone with Judd Apatow. Um, yeah. Yeah, talking about yeah, he's in India or something. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I know that. that's in the unrated, the unrated cut. Has there? There's never been a movie where the unrated cut is better than the theatrical cut. That's that's a lie. Oh, okay, maybe that's a lie, but most of the time they're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, are are we are we specifying like unrated cut and director's cut? Because like yeah, but both cut. both included. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there's maybe a couple of examples where the director's cut's better, but but it's 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 unusual. All right, let's let's bring it back, Zach. Uh, any any flaws or conspiracy theories, anything like that? I kind of mentioned this earlier. I don't know how they got so drunk off overpriced Corona at the club. Yes. Good call. But maybe they were just both sort of, I mean, she's already a little bit ecstatic from her job and he's ecstatic that this girl's talking to him. So I can understand maybe the endorphins are running a little bit, the adrenaline. And then my other one was that email that they send uh, to Ben. Uh, how do they know it's from Allison? I, she doesn't write her name in the email, but Jason reads her name in the email. But they hit send before they ever type in the name Allison. Did it, did it show her... Uh... Or email address. Well, yeah, I mean, presumably there's an email address, but Probably still, I just got an E or something. Yeah, or like I don't know how they make that connection. It's you know, it's six weeks after their date. How? Sure. You know, does, but I, I think that's a little bit sketchy. But uh, that's about it. I can't think of besides that. This movie is just twenty minutes too long. But that's every Avatar movie. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Like this podcast. This podcast, we should correspond the lengths of these podcasts to an Apatow movie. We're, we're aiming for a theatrical 40-year-old virgin territory here. Let's not make this funny, people. I find it so fascinating. There won't be a potential spinoff sequel. <laughs> because I find it fascinating it's not, it's that however, however long we ramble and however long it feels, we always end up right around two hours. I, I just find that fascinating. Okay. Wrap this up. LVP, MVP. Uh, I'll go first. I did. I did stipulate. Can I say, say tell the viewers oh, the yes, stipulation? Yes. I knew Terry's MVP was going to be Dice, so I said no Dice as MVP. I mean, it's kind of all he had, but <laughs> um, yes, you did stipulate that. And then I asked if chairs could be my MVP, and and I said only if they're droll. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. My I've got stuff written down, but I kind of want to change it. I'm not going to go first. Never mind. Uh, Zach, go first. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, my MVP of this movie is the Canadian government for financing um, Ben Stone for as long as they did. 14 grand over 10 years, and he's down to $900 is pretty impressive. Although I think later in the movie it shows $117. Yeah. 
LVP of this movie, I could go with Leslie Mann, but we've been picking on her all movie. Um, let's go with uh, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> nice. We don't need three Spider-Men. Never have need three Spider-Men. And it almost leads to dissolution of Pete and Debbie's marriage, in which case we never would have had this as 40. Spider-Man 3 is still like the only midnight showing I've been to. What's with Jason saying Spider-Man 3 starts in eight minutes? Can I, First of all, in the words of Mel Horowitz, you can't get anywhere in L.A. if it doesn't take 20 minutes. Did they just not go to the previews? Like, did they live next door to a movie theater? It, it must have just been around the corner. <clears throat> all right, I'm going next. All right, so so my, my LVP is uh, Pink Eye. Because, I mean, can you imagine... Can you imagine what that what that trip would have been like if the entire crew went like uh, we we missed that. We missed seeing Martin, Jason and Jonah along for that ride. And that would have been brilliant. Oh, Martin didn't have pink eye. He's just really oh, yeah. <laughs> valid point. Valid point. Um, and I've got I've got two MVPs. Uh, first one is Ken Jeong, um, because, I mean, he really saves the day, like literally saves the day. But then my other MVP is uh, internetstartup.coms because it was only a year after this that we decided to start this. So um, it, it didn't take us three months to launch, too. No, but they, 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 I think they were definitely trying to get something more complete than we did when we launched ours. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, that's what I got. Todd? Uh, LVP is... Um... I think, well, I mean, it has to be Martin because of the whole Mr. Skin incident. They wasted, like, months of their lives because <laughs> he didn't realize that he was looking at the exact same thing. And MVP, also, Den- MVP, though, is Paul Rudd's impression of Mr. Skin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Skin's really funny in real life. Have you guys ever listened to interviews with him? No. He's on my favorite podcast, <laughs> The Toucher and Rich Show, and every year he comes on and gives the best. He has awards for the best nudity in, in film awards and TV. Very knowledgeable guy. We can probably cut that part out too. I don't want people to hear me say that. Go ahead, Todd. What's your next pick? Well, I, well, the, the other one is dental dams because they're <laughs> disgusting. And uh, dental my... dam. <laughs> That's probably like Catherine Heigl's best moment when she says that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Saran wrap. <laughs> just the thought of that. Just, uh... Okay, and MVP. I'm going to say uh, Wild Things because it actually induces her labor. <laughs> then that <laughs> helps the movie end. <laughs> uh, Has anybody watched Spider-Man 3 and Wild Things more in one movie than the characters in, the, in this movie? <laughs> that's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. What's All the right. movie they watch? Carrie? <laughs> the- yeah, Carrie. Yeah, that's Carrie. the other one that, that's actually shown. <laughs> All right, quote of the daytime. Uh, oh, I have, I actually have four different quotes written down, and I don't know which one to pick, so I'm going to let you guys go first. So, uh, Zach, go for it. Yeah, I had two quotes, but one of them, basically, we just sort of said, these were two parts that I hadn't laughed at in a long time because they weren't on TV. So the first quote was from Martin when he disco- when they when they discovered Mr. Skin and Martin says, "Well, shit, I saw it online at one point, but I, I guess I didn't connect the dots." <laughs> I love that line. Like that that's like subtle. You know, a lot of this movie goes kind of for over the top gags, but like that's a great sort of subtle line. Love it. 
And then, uh, and the other one is kind of in a similar vein. It's not a line that is immediately noticeable, but I just, I laughed at this time. It's when, it's when they're, they're, uh, Ben and Allison are having problems sexually. And Ben says, <laughs> I'm not like a dog. It's doggy style. It's just the style. I'm, it's not a dog. We don't have to go outside or anything. <laughs> we don't have to go outside or anything. <laughs> I never noticed that either. That's a great line. <laughs> All right, Todd. I mean, I quote this movie all the time. I, I mean, I wrote down like 10 things I could say, but like, I don't know. I love Jody, and she's just like, <laughs> like, you know, just kidding. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and I, I quote that like constantly too, and I, I, I just now realized what it was from, so I'll, I'll go with that. But I mean, I could say like anything. Flips it on its ear. I, you know, I'm a, I love this movie. Uh, all right. You didn't say anything quotes i have so one i already quoted and that that was uh that's how you get pink eye um and then uh the this one i think rings even truer today than it did then it's when um it's when deb is talking about pete and says i get worse looking and he gets better looking it's not fair and now he's 55 years old and is winning sexiest man alive um then uh there's uh as they're driving as they're driving to Vegas, uh, I think it's I think it's Pete that says, "You're so money, you don't even know how much money you have." I, I like that one. That was pretty funny. <laughs> was like was that like a callback to Swingers? Yeah, oh yeah, it, it it was it was misquoting Swingers completely. By the way, one of my fellow teachers quoted Swingers to me, and and it was that quote, "You're so money, you don't even know it," and I was like, "That's <laughs> that's hilarious." But but uh, I think my favorite one was. Uh, Pete looking at his kids and he says, I wish I like anything as much as my kids like bubbles. <laughs> and Ben's like, yeah. no, I get it. You know, they float and you pop them. Like, no, I, I mean, I understand. And then, and then, he, and then he, he follows it up with their smiling faces are proof of your inability to like anything. <laughs> What's kind of interesting about Todd's uh, mentioning of Charlene Yee is that between this movie and Knocked Up, at some point, the Leslie Mann character is introduced to Charlene Yee because she hires her at her store and in and this is 40 oh. she's an employee at the dress shop that that she works at there we go i forgot about conspiracy that. theory we need to watch that movie all right but with that we're drawing this deep dive of knocked up to a close thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back at you next week with another episode until then have fun watching movies and we'll catch you on the flip side Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.